This is Molly Hemingway of The Federalist. Join me, my husband Mark of Real Clear Investigations, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, and others for the 2023 Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Making the Case, June 16th and 17th in Chicago. Issuesetc.org. We suffer from this age of safetyism. We are caught up in a culture that idolizes being safe at all costs. And, and with that comes a selfishness. The left has essentially declared that only a wanted child is an image of Dei child. Only a wanted child is a child that's made in the image of God. And, and if you're not desired, then you don't have any intrinsic value. And to say that whatever the major total obstacle is that they're facing, whatever hardship, to say that God has nothing to do with it, then sets sin or this fallen world as though it were its own God. It's absolutely true that the Bible norms the church's creeds, but these summaries of faith tell us precisely what the church believes the Bible is saying. Amateur home improvers in Italy love issues, etc. So what would you do if early one morning, while it's still dark outside, there was a pounding on your door, you realize it's law enforcement, you open the door and there are a dozen law enforcement officers armed to the teeth, guns pointed at you, and all because you're pro-life and you had an altercation, a minor altercation that wouldn't even register on the Richter scale of local law enforcement in front of a Planned Parenthood clinic. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. live on this Friday afternoon, February the 3rd. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to talk about the acquittal of a pro-life activist on charges of violating a federal law protecting access to abortion clinics. That pro-life activist, Mark Hauk, will be our guest. Dr. Jordan Cooper joins us after that. We'll be talking about the ideas of 20th century French philosopher Michel Foucault. And then Pastor Brian Wolfmiller and Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer, join us to respond to your unanswered Bible questions. Mark Houck is a pro-life advocate and founder of the Kingsmen. Mark, welcome to Issues Etc. Hi, Todd. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Why do you protest abortion? That's a great question. You know, it's something that has been part of my life for the last 20 years, and it's not really something that I have to answer much for it these days, but I'll simply answer this in this way and saying that abortion is probably the primordial a battle and evil of our day. This is my opinion, but I believe that if we cannot protect life in the womb, if life in the womb is not protected, then all of our lives are in jeopardy. And so we must begin there, the beginning of life, and, and protect and give voice to those who don't have a voice. That's why I go out, and that's why I pray, and that's why I do what I do, so that all of our rights can be protected. How long have you been protesting outside abortion facilities? Yeah, I've been out there for 20-plus years. Tell us about this 2021 incident outside a Planned Parenthood abortion facility that led to the FBI raid of your home and eventually to your arrest. Sure. So October 13th of 2021, my son and I went into the city of Philadelphia, something we do every week. 
we went down there without incident and my son's been with me many times there about 40 or 50 times prior to this particular incident but on this day uh we were at the corner of 12th street and locust in philadelphia and a couple women came out of the facility and, and we were escorting them across the street to uh, a pregnancy resource center a volunteer escort for planned parenthood basically ran over to where I was, about 150 feet away from the entrance of the facility that he works at or volunteers at. He basically intervened in in that encounter with my First Amendment rights. He disrupted that and forced a disengagement between me and the girls. At that point, very disappointed in him. We walked back, he and I, him to the building and me to my son. He went in, disappeared for a couple minutes, I would say maybe 20 minutes, and then came back out and positioned himself right next to my 12-year-old boy. At this point, you know, obviously this has never happened before. He's never done that. My 12-year-old son's obviously not feeling comfortable with a, a grown man standing right next to him, invading his personal space. So I told him to get away, which he did not. Uh, he continued to talk to my son. I told him he had no permission to speak to my son, that he could address anything he wanted to me, and he continued to talk to my son. Eventually, I got to the point, I said, look, you, you have to walk away. You have to move. You can't stand here. You're harassing my son. And then I escorted him to a degree back to the building. When I turned around to go back to be with my son, he turned around and began harassing my son again. I turned, and uh, at that point, I pushed him. And that's the, the genesis of, of what became a private criminal complaint, which was not taken up by the Philadelphia DA or the Philadelphia Police Department but was um, a private criminal complaint that was dismissed in state court. About five days after that dismissal, in April 2022, the federal government picked up the case and gave me a target letter, which basically said I was a target of a grand jury investigation. And then uh, my attorney reached out and said, you have no case. My client is innocent. But if you'd like to indict him, he's a peaceful man. We'll bring him down to the federal building. Well, we didn't hear anything from them after that. It was September 23rd at 6.45 in the morning when I found out that I was indicted when 20-plus federal agents and PA state troopers raided my home at dark o'clock on Friday morning. So tell us about that raid on your home. Yeah, sure. Like I said, it was 6.45 in the morning. It was still dark out. I was the only one awake. I am a father of seven children. I have seven children sleeping in the home. My wife was asleep. We were getting ready for our our normal Friday co-op with our homeschool. I had just put a quiche in the oven when a bang at the door and and the repeated ringing of my doorbell began and someone yelled, open up. That was it. I didn't know who it was. They didn't declare who they were. I went to my door, could not see outside. I said, uh, well, who is it? And they said, uh, it's the FBI. And they banged again and demanded that I open up the door. At this point, I slowly, calmly said, okay, I'm going to open up the door stay calm. I have seven babies in this house. Please stay calm. So as I opened up the door, I saw the circus that was on my property, 20 plus federal agents and PhD troopers with long guns, M16s, as I later found out, pointed at me, surrounding my house, full SWAT gear, a heavily armored vest, ballistic shields, ballistic helmets, and a battering ram. So if I didn't open up the door, they were coming in anyway. What happened after they entered your house? They did not enter my house. The guns actually entered the threshold of the house. They did not have to enter because I came out to them. And when I came out to them, I, I, I didn't know why they were there. Remember, the uh, assistant U.S. attorney, whom we contacted back in April, never returned our phone call. So I, I was surprised to see them. I came out, and I said, uh, what are you doing here? 
To which they replied, you know why we're here. And I said, well, actually, I don't know why you're here. Oh, you're here because I rescue babies is kind of something I said to them. And that was it. Essentially, they looked at me. They did nothing. My wife came down and said, do you have a warrant for his arrest? And they said, well, we're taking him with or without a warrant. And my wife said, well, you can't do that. And they proceeded to do that. Um, I asked them if I could put some socks on. I had sandals on. I had uh, a pair of shorts and a T-shirt, cold, fall morning. I said, can I put a shirt on, a, a sweatshirt? No. Can I put some pants on? No. Can I brush my teeth? No. Can I put some deodorant on? No. Within 15 minutes, I was cuffed and in a black suburban heading down to the federal building. What happened after your arrest? Well, my kids were screaming. My kids were hysterical. It was an act of pure terror upon my family. It was highly reckless. So amazed no one got shot that day. But the kids were all pleading that their father would be able to remain with them. I did not have a chance to speak to them. I did not have a chance to really say anything to my wife. They took me down to the federal building. They cuffed me. They shackled my waist. They shackled my feet in the federal building. And they put me in a room and chained me to a table for six hours. They proceeded to manipulate me uh, with questions, which they told me I had permission not to answer, but they manipulated and coerced nonetheless to get what they wanted, and they did the same to my wife. About 10 hours later from the original arrest, I was released on my own recognizance. And what that tells you, Todd, is that they had every intention to release me, and they did not need to humiliate me and intimidate me and instill fear in my children and my wife because they had planned to release me because I was not a threat to the community and I was not a threat for running or a risk, a flight risk. That's essentially it on, on that day. What kind of reaction from the public did you receive after your arrest and release? Uh, it was a groundswell of support, support for my family, support for the plight that we were dealing with, the tremendous amount of love, uh, spiritual consolations all across the board. Uh, every kind of imaginable spiritual gift came to me, both personally and from others. Great peace in my heart, great joy in my heart, a flooding of all that throughout the last four and a half months. There was a groundswell of support financially to support our family in the legal fight. And then there was a tremendous outpouring of love through just uh, kindnesses and random acts of kindnesses throughout the, the four and a half months. You were charged with violating a federal law regarding protecting access to abortion clinic. What happened at your trial? Sure, that started uh, last week on uh, Tuesday, January 24th with uh, jury selection. That was an eventful day. Uh, selected a jury from uh, a pool of 65, 70 people in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. Uh, jury was selected that day. We began trial on, on Wednesday, the 25th. The government began their trial, and that took two days for them to put on their case. And then we put on our case on Friday, last week, the 27th, and then uh, the case was concluded on both sides, and the jury was sent to deliberations after closing arguments. They were deadlocked after about two-plus hours. The judge adjourned them for the weekend, and they asked them to come back on Monday to begin deliberations. Two jury members were removed. One was initially removed for a financial hardship, uh, and then the second one was removed on Monday this week for targeting people in the jury. So basically, uh, the judge had to interview each jury member to find out what was going on, and then that, that juror was dismissed and replaced with an alternate. Once we got the full jury in place, it was an hour of deliberation, and the verdict of not guilty came forward. What was your reaction to the not guilty verdict? A tremendous amount of relief, 
as you can imagine, uh, just been, it's been a joy, filled my heart, just great consolation, of course, great thankfulness in my heart, and my family and I, best words I heard that day from the judge, Judge Joe Papper, was, Mr. Houck, you're free to go. Did the judge in that case, did he comment on the jury's decision at all? No, he did not. As a federal judge, and, and he's supposed to be impartial, as the jury is the one that, that renders the decision. So he did not render any commentary on the decision. Why do you think the FBI pursued these charges against you? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of speculation there, and I can only speculate. I don't know. All I know is that Roe v. Wade was overturned in, uh, in June. Our president, Joe Biden, declared that he would defend abortion rights. From those comments, succeeded uh, to uh, arrest many pro-lifers starting in, in the summer. And, of course, with me in September, you saw a subsequent amount of arrests related to violations of the so-called FACE Act. I gather people could speculate that that was related or not, but uh, it seems very much not a coincidence to me. Has this ordeal dampened your determination to protest abortion? Absolutely not. If anything, it's emboldened me to continue to fight the good fight. We have case law now that supports and protects our rights as sidewalk counselors, as pro-lifers trying to help women coming in and out of the facility and men. So if anything, no, I'm, I'm further committed to the mission and will be fully invested in that as usual. Mark Hauk is a pro-life advocate and founder of The King's Men. Mark, thank you very much and keep up the good work. All right, thanks for the questions. God bless you. Take care. The 2023 Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Life Conference is set for March 2nd and 3rd in St. Louis and online. The conference will provide Lutherans with the resources to faithfully proclaim what God's Word teaches about life, health, marriage, and family. Learn more about this year's LCMS Life Conference, March 2nd and 3rd at lcms.org slash life, lcms.org slash life. Now, if you're concerned about wokeism, maybe at work or in society or online, you'll want to listen to the next half hour or so with Dr. Jordan Cooper. We're going to be talking about one of the grandfathers of that idea, Michel Foucault. Stay tuned. You can meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. Save the date. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky, with visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Look for more information in early 2023 at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org Defending life from beginning to end. You're listening to Issues Etc. You wish your classical school could do more for struggling learners? Uncertain where to begin? The Memoria Press Schools Division includes Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. 
the school's division will happily assist your school. Memoria Press offers an entire line of special needs resources for teaching math, reading, spelling, and more. Contact schools at memoriapress.com or order directly from simplyclassical.com with coupon code LPR23. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Epiphany season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Epiphany season, 24-7. lutheranpublicradio.org. 